Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, digital sports producer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back with Paul Zeiss, our, digi- our excuse me, our sports columnist for our weekly Zeiss is Right video uh, chat with uh, Paul. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm just uh, trying to get this uh, this camera here situated. This there we go. I, 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 every time I move around, I hit something and there's a button somewhere, but I think we're good now. Go ahead. Yeah, we are. We are. We're good. And we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about some Steelers camp battles, Paul. Um, the Ray Fittipaldo was asked in his chat this week, our Steelers beat reporter, what his top camp battles are as we look toward training camp for the Steelers. He named a few, and then I want to go through those with you and then maybe some that you're looking forward to. Um, the first was Dan Moore versus Chooks Okora for um, and uh, Broderick Jones for who are who are going to be the you know the two tackles for this team is Broderick Jones going to be the starter from day one given that the team traded up and used their number one draft pick on him or are you going to lean more on that experience of Dan Moore and Chuksakora for in the early going? Um, what do you think, Paul? When, when we get to game one, um, how do you see that battle unfolding up up at training camp in Latrobe? Um, I would tell you, I, I think that Broderick Jones is going to be the guy. I mean, from day one, they didn't draft him. They didn't move up to get him. They didn't draft him not to be, you know what I'm saying? They didn't draft him because they think Dan Moore is their guy. Um, so I, and, and, and the thing about it is if you're going to make a rookie, your guy, doesn't it make sense to give him absolutely as many reps as you possibly can in spring in, in training camp? I mean, it only makes sense to do it that way. Um, and I feel like Chukas and Cora will be the right, and, and and Dan Moore will be the swing tackle. I mean, I think that's how it's going to shake out. And if it's going to shake out like that, to me, make it very simple. You, you, you take Broderick Jones and you put him there at the left tackle spot from day one, and you basically give him every single rep he can possibly take. Because one of the things that you always hear from linemen and, and line coaches is that Continuity really is important, and chemistry is really important. And as a result, I mean, you can't develop that with a guy if you're going to do this charade where you're going to make him play, you know, the second team or the second, you know, the twos or whatever, and and get a few uh, run, you know, a little bit of run with the ones here and there because he's got to prove himself. And then, you know, three games into the season, now we're going to. I, I just think you drafted him for a reason. And you put him there from day one until he proves he can't be there. I mean, that's the other part of it in my in my mind. That, that that's the other part of it. When you look at that whole thing, I would tell you, it is important to make sure that you are 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 really really committed to finding out a if he can play at that level and b if he can play at that level. Then, you, then, then by the time the season starts, you want to make sure he's actually ready to play at that level. Um, you know, because Dan Moore's played before. I mean, I mean, Adam, ultimately, three weeks into training camp, you say, boy, this Broderick Jones stings. Then what? Well, you put Dan Moore back, and guess what? You really haven't lost that much from the standpoint of you've got a situation of where 
you have uh, uh, you know a, a, an experienced guy who played last year that doesn't need training camp nearly as much as the guy you're trying to get ready. So uh, long-winded answer, I know, and I'm you know, but but at the end of the day, it, it, it Broderick Jones is your guy. You drafted him to be your guy. It really shouldn't be that big of a camp battle, other than Broderick Jones proving that he's not good enough to play because he should have every opportunity to play. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of where I am. Is is you, you want to give him the opportunity so that you know if if he if everything works out the way the Steelers have clearly planned for it to, you're ready. And and so, in that sense, I guess the battle should be over. And so you're right. If he struggles in training camp and and you get two weeks in and you're not seeing improvement, then maybe you make it more of a, a true battle and say who's going to earn it between now and you know, who's going to earn it in the preseason games, right? As opposed to just kind of giving Broderick Jones a scholarship. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You, you you want that battle to go on. And don't get me wrong. Nothing should be handed to him from the standpoint of, you know, if he stinks, he stinks. If he's not able to do it, he's not able to do it, and he loses the job. But it should be his job to lose as opposed to the other way around because I think, with, with, with you know, if you're going to go back, if you look at, okay, the guy that played last year, Dan Moore, right, if he's going to take most of the snaps for the first three weeks of training camp, you've wasted the first three weeks of training camp if your long-term plan is to have Broderick Jones be the starter. And that's my point. To me, from day one, you got to get this kid as many reps as you possibly can. And not just reps, but reps with the guys he's probably going to be playing with. That's the whole point about it. Like, to me, if you think about it, he's going to be playing with the first group. He's going to be playing with whatever that first group is. And believe me, there, you know, I think there are still some you know, questions at guard positions and everything else. So, you know, but to me, the most important thing is you start on that on that left tackle, right, with your rookie. And, you know, because Chooks Okorafor has a lot more experience playing the right tackle than Dan Moore, I would assume he's going to win that job. So, you know, I don't I don't think anybody should be handed a job, but in this case, you're giving a guy the maximum chance to win the job, but you're also giving him a chance to lose the job if, if he doesn't perform. Paul, the second camp battle, Ray Fittipaldo said he's interested in watching is Joey Porter Jr. versus Levi Wallace. My sense of that one, Paul, is, is not so much, you know, who, is there going to be a winner and a loser, but what's the, the timeshare going to be? Um, so let me ask you this in terms of, you know, where do you want that timeshare to be in an ideal scenario to start the season and then maybe to end the season if you're, you know, looking as jo at Joey Porter Jr. as kind of the future corner? <laughs> Um, what percentage of the time do you want him to be that number two guy compared to Levi Wallace, understanding that they're both going to play? And I, I don't think there's anything that's going to change that, right? Well, I mean, I think, you know, th th there are some things you can do. I mean, Levi Wallace might be able to play some in the slot. I mean, they're still looking for that position, right? So at the end of the day, he could still play in that in the slot if he needs to. Um, and, and, and the other part of it is that position is one where I think that the only way you get better, it's hard to simulate, is by playing. And so unlike left tackle where, you know, you want the same guy, you want continuity and all that other stuff, you have the ability at corner maybe to start with Levi Wallace as your starter and let Joey Porter Jr. as he gets his feet wet and learns how to play a little bit more and, and, and gets comfortable playing in the NFL game and, you know, starts to see – you know, different offenses and different receivers and all the uh, challenges that come with it, you know, I would like it to be a situation where 
by midseason, maybe Joey Porter's taking the majority of the snaps at, at, at corner, and then maybe even you know later in the season he's he is the guy. Um, but as your to your point, both of those guys are going to have to play. And here's the other thing. They've been floating the idea that Patrick Peterson might be the guy who ends up playing some in the slot. So these two might actually end up being your starting uh, your starting guys, right? And then you go from the standpoint of uh, uh, Patrick Peterson uh, playing in the slot some, and therefore uh, all three of them just getting a whole lot of different, you know, a whole lot of run, uh, which is ideal. You, you know, you want guys at a corner to be able to be rested and refreshed and everything else in the fourth quarter because that's generally when teams start throwing the ball around especially when they're losing yeah I, I think that's that's the key and and um how long do you what do you think Joey Porter can do in in training camp to to kind of change flip that script or, or maybe I should ask this in the preseason games um you know could he could he exceed your expectations and what do you think the likelihood of that is well, absolutely. We've seen it before. We've seen you know different times where, but that's a hard position to step right in as a rookie because of the way that passing games have advanced. But it, listen, if he's every single day absorbing whatever they're you know telling him, right? If he's absorbing it and he's putting it to use, and they're, and they're watching the practice film and they're saying, you know what, he's really advancing very fast. You know, it could be a situation of by the end of training camp, he's the guy. You know, and, and, and that's not really been, you know, that wouldn't be really that big of a surprise. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing with Joey Porter Jr. is he just has to show that he can be consistent in his position um, day after day after day after day after day after day, right? And then you get into the preseason games, you know, he might only play a quarter or two. Well, guess what? Don't give up big plays in the in the in the preseason games. You know, make tackles when they're you know the the, the play comes your way or whatever, and it's your turn to make a tackle. I mean, those are things that are easy, easily measurable in a game. But if you talk to coaches, man, practice film is a different animal. They're looking for a lot of different things, and so I, I feel like it's one of those situations where you really have to um, uh, you really have to uh, diagnose day one. You know, day five, day 10, you know, day 15, is he getting measurably better at each one of those benchmarks? And if he is, maybe he is the guy that ends up at the beginning of the year being the starter. The third camp battle Ray Fittipaldo highlighted was DeMonte KZ and Keanu Neal for that safety spot that was vacated by Terrell Edmonds. Um, I really love DeMonte KZ on this defense, Paul. I'm excited to see him for a full season after we only got him really down the stretch of, of last season. He, his analytics are, are fantastic. He looks like a really hard hitter. Um, you know, I'm kind of excited to see him in that role, so I don't know how much I want to see Keanu Neal, but how are you looking at that, that battle in, in terms of how you'd like it to play out? I'm with you. I mean, Casey, I, what I liked about him, he's a, he's a guy that shows up. Like, when he's in the game, there's going to be one or two plays where he is out there thumping somebody, where he's making a big hit, where he's making a big stop. You know, um, he's an impact player. The thing about Terrell Edmonds, and we've talked about this many times, right? He's the kind of guy, if he had been a third or fourth round pick, we'd say, boy, he had a really nice career and this and that. But he was a first round pick. And so as a first round pick, you want a lot more than what we got from Terrell Edmonds. He was a guy that did the job, 
He was, you know, he would make plays. He was, he was, he was good enough, but he wasn't an impact player. KZ to me looks like the kind of guy that can be an impact player, you know, and make some big, big plays for them. You know, be the kind of guy who, who's, you know, guys that are you know, running backs that are running through the hole or receivers that are coming across the the middle or kind of have their one eye looking. All right, where's this guy coming from? Because I know I'm about ready to get thumped. Those are the kind you you know those are the kind of players that I like uh, at that position, and I like the fact that you know last year he showed that pretty much every time he played he showed up on film uh, with at least one or two really high impact plays. Yeah, I, I think p- part of it is are the Steelers going to do the things up front to to free up both of those safeties? I think you could have a very similar conversation with Minka Fitzpatrick of you know we've seen when he has to creep up and run defense right. He's not as effective as, at the things that he's supposed to supposed to be doing, which is making those impact plays, getting turnovers, some leveling some big hits. Uh, but when he has to creep up and run defense, he gets worse. I think that's also true for KZ. Is the Steelers got to put have to put him in a position to succeed um, more than anything? I think Paul. Right. That's. I mean, that's with everyone, Adam. Though. I mean, I think everyone, every player, just about you could come up with, except for maybe TJ Watt and Cam Hayward have some deficiencies, right? Um, but I think that the, at the end of the day, the Steelers have done a pretty good job of that. I, I honestly think the Steelers' defense last year, they did a really good job of fooling people into thinking they were a really good defense. And a lot of that has to do with schematics. Because I didn't think that, you know, they're, they're, if you look at the, the individual parts, I thought the sum was better than, than the individual parts. And, uh, and, and I think that's the biggest thing to me. Um, when you look at it from that standpoint, they've done a pretty good job of scheming guys and in, in, in getting them in position. I mean, I mean, hell, they made Robert Spillane. You know, there were people near the end of the year talking about how Robert Spillane, you know, was a, was a key ingredient they needed to re-sign. They made, you know, they, 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 they survived with, you know, the Devin Bush. They survived, you know, with, you know, with Terrell Edmonds, who I thought, you know, again, it was just kind of, eh, you know, I didn't think either of their corners were going to ever go to, the, to, to, to Canton either. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at the individual parts, you're like, boy, why was this defense so good? Well, obviously, having T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and, and Minka Fitzpatrick obviously help great, a great, great deal. But beyond that, I think schematically they did a pretty good job of trying to figure out what everyone can do and what they can't do and tried to, you know, and tried to really kind of build on that. I think that was uh, evident last year. I think it'll be evident again this year it, 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 because I think that is a position, the one we're talking about here, I, I think that is a position where uh, I don't know that it's a one-size-fits-all kind of uh, situation with, with regards to how you would run your defense. Any other camp battles that you're looking forward to, to seeing play out, Paul, when they finally put pads on the show? Well, I mean, I would say a big one, you know, and I'm surprised Ray didn't talk about it, a big one would be at, uh, at both of the guard spots, right? I mean, I, I feel like they they maybe I'm maybe I just I don't know maybe I read our, our our sports pages too many times over the winter and saw duplicate articles, but it seems like they've got about twenty five guys now for the two guard spots, right? Yeah, no, I mean Samalo, uh, Herbig. There's been a lot of talk about all these guys. You still have Dotson in in the fold. Um, who are the guys that you like most from that group, Paul? Well, I tell you this much right now, Kevin Dotson. This has to be the year. He's got to either be the guy they think he can be when they, you know, when they drafted him and, you know, his size and his, and his athleticism and all this stuff. He looks the part. 
this is either got to be the year that he does it or just doesn't do it, right? Um, I kind of am int- I'm intrigued by Herbig. I think I like him a lot. Um, and, and so to me, they've got two guys there that I think if they play well, you know, you, you have two really good guards. Uh, interestingly enough, another guy that's in the mix probably is Kendall Green, although I, I, I see that they have him at backup center right now. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like this is going to be an offensive line that once they get the right five people lined up across, I think it's going to be a pretty good offensive line. I know a lot of people last year like to bag on the offensive line. I wrote about it late in the season. And listen, you can say whatever you want to say, but they've gotten better and better and better and better. And so to me, um, I think that they can build on it. They've got some good pieces. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Kevin Dodson. That's, that's, to me, that's the most intriguing player in this camp. Is, is, he's a guy that they've tried to basically motivate in many different ways. You know, they've benched him quietly. They've, you know, uh, openly talked about his weight and maybe all this other stuff, right? Uh, but he's also a guy, man, when, he, when he's played, he's been a mauler at times. I mean, I think he has a chance to be really good. But this is got this is like make or break for him this camp. Another question Ray was asked about was is the Corey Trice hype train getting out of control? The seventh round pick, he was a cornerback out of Purdue. <laughs> um, listen, there were a lot of people who were surprised he fell from the, like maybe the fourth, fifth round down to the seventh, and and think maybe he's he's better than your average seventh round pick. But I think there's a lot of people who expect him to be a major part of this rotation quickly and and so listen i like Corey trice i'll be the first to say that he was he was someone who stood out to me very quickly but i think that that liking Corey trice is turning into loving and and developing expectations that are far beyond (laughs) what someone like him should have are you kind of in the same spot paul with him Uh, yeah it's it's you know adam you and i laugh about this a lot but it's usually the Pirates, where you know a guy comes up like this, has you know, two or three really good days, and all of a sudden people are ready to put him in the, in the Hall of Fame. And it's like, okay, pump the brakes. Look, I get it, Antonio Brown, six-rounder. Uh, Brady was, what, a sixth or seventh-rounder? I get it. And it's happened from time to time. But for the most part, guys that are drafted in the seventh round are just that, guys. Actually, you're happy if they're guys because that means they're at least getting on the field a little bit and playing. I have not very high expectations for Corey Trice to be much more than maybe the slot guy, right? Maybe the uh, maybe a guy who is a, a decent career is sort of the third corner or whatever. But I, I, I'm going to say this, and you know what? Maybe I'll get killed for this. Who cares? I mean, people 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 kill me for everything I say these days, but. Adam, if he's ever the starting corner for the Steelers, I mean the starting guy because, you know, he beat everybody else out, not because, you know, five guys got hurt. If he's ever the starting corner for the Steelers, the Steelers secondary is not good enough. I think he can be an okay player, Adam. I'm just, I mean, he's a guy, seriously, and I, I, what's that? I was going to say, I'm willing to entertain the idea that he could be, I was I was gonna say I can entertain the idea that he could be the number two in a couple of years, and and maybe he plays opposite Joey Porter for a while. Um, you know, maybe that's the the upside for him. 
I'm open to that argument, but I think like expecting him to be an impact player in this rotation this season is a little crazy. And I think some people have definitely, um, you know, gotten the expectations out of control. I think the most <laughs> likely outcome, Paul, is exactly what you're saying is, yeah, maybe he's a third guy. Maybe he's a slot guy. Um, he's probably never going to be a very solid number two. I think that would be getting the, the highest end out of his upside. Um, I'm not going to say he can't get there, but I think it's expecting a lot. Well, again, he's a seventh-round pick, right? Yeah. Hey, Paul. Sorry, you're you're really breaking up a little bit in the last few minutes. Can you hear me? Yeah, are you, I, I broke up. I didn't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. I, can you hear me? I can hear you. Your 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 audio is still a little bit behind, and it's it, the video is kind of choppy. Um, I can edit it out for sure. I just wanted yeah, to maybe. I don't know why? Do you want to hop out and then hop back in again? Um. Yeah, let's do that. Okay.
How about now? I got you now, Paul. I don't know what the hell happened there, but it was—I don't know what was going on. But uh, let's go about another what eight minutes or something. Okay, I'm just going to re-tee up that trice. Um, okay. Question, Paul. Another person that came up in raised chat was Corey Trice, the seventh round pick out of uh, Purdue. A lot of buzz about him. I'll tell you, I like him. I, I like his. Um, analytics from from the days at Purdue I like the the length I like the speed I think he's a nice package but I think a lot of people are also getting a little bit out of control don't you Paul <laughs> well again I mean we do this in Pittsburgh don't we uh, someone new someone fresh someone comes up and and you know he's off the radar they've discovered a diamond in the rough uh you know they're smarter than everybody else they use some formula that no other team has or whatever and generally speaking, he's, he, I mean, he's a seventh-round pick, and a seventh-round pick is just a guy. I say that all the time. And if he becomes just a guy, guess what? That means they got something out of him because it means that he played. If you look at the percentage of seventh-round picks that make it even, it's very low. Um, you know, Adam, I think he's got upside, like you said. I like some of the things that you know I, I see from him. We've all watched all the clips from him at, you know, Purdue. If you're a draft person, you know what I mean? You sit around and watch, uh, okay, here's who the Steelers drafted. Let's go to YouTube and all the other stuff. Let's look at his film. I mean, there's a lot to like about him. But he's a seventh-round pick, and he's got some deficiencies in his game. Um, and there are some questions about his, his overall ability to actually play in coverage, man, in man coverage against NFL wide receivers. I would say this. If he's a second round pick, if he's a, if he's a, if he's like their third corner, or if he's their slot corner at any point, okay, I could see that. I I feel like if he's ever their starting corner, though, uh, I, I I would be very skeptical that they're good enough, uh, just because I feel like people fall in love with some of these guys. Uh, there, there's plenty of film of him for Purdue. Every single team watched. Every single team passed on him at least six times, and many of them passed on him a seventh time. Uh, there's reasons for that. So let's pump the brakes. I mean, I get it. And part of it is, Adam, it's early. You know, then you got training camp time. Then you got this. You know, 
we we all have to write and talk about things, and and these are the kinds of things you talk about and write about early in the season like this. But uh, I do not expect him to be an impact player this year. If that's the question. Oh, absolutely not this season. I kind of look at him as I think he has upside to maybe be a number two in two three years. Um, but that's upside, and a lot of guys never reach their upside, Paul. So you know, right. I, can I can I squint at him and see a number two guy eventually? Yes. Uh, do I think it's the most likely path? Probably not. And and I certainly don't think we're going to see it, the 2023 contributions that some people seem to be expecting now. No, no. And I don't think that. And, and, and again, I'd be very shocked if he's more than the, uh, you know, the, the third corner or, or maybe the slot guy, even in his career. I just he, he's a guy to me that is going to be, you know, if anything, just sort of a solid contribute uh, contributor that they're able to get some things out of from time to time. And maybe in a pinch, he fills in, but not much more than that. Paul, in the time that we have, since we started recording, the Pirates have lost to the um, Oakland Athletics. They've dropped two out of three against one of the most historically terrible teams in baseball. At least that's what they're on track for right now. This coming off of, you know, a six game winning streak that I think had people starting to think, oh, maybe, maybe May was a bit of, uh, you know, an aberration and, Maybe they're not nearly as bad as they looked that month. They're probably not as good as they looked in April, but but maybe they can be a team that's going to hang around for the long run. Um, did this series do anything to, to shake your confidence in that idea, especially because Rowanzi Contreras, again, looked really bad today? Um, I didn't get out of the early innings. I think they were down 5 nothing when he left the game. Um, you know, if he's not on, Paul, if he's not a capable guy, doesn't that not bode well for this team kind of taking this thing to the end of the season, even if they're not, you know, a favorite in the division? They are kind of who we thought they are, really. I mean, they're, uh, well, you and I have both talked about it. And I know, I've, what did I say, 74, 75 wins. I said it at the start, and I still think that. And so at the end of the day, um, they're going to have stretches where they look good and stretches where they don't look so good. Now, that being said, this is one of the worst series losses that they've had in a long, long time. Uh, and really, it's just one of those things where uh, you can't lose to the A's at home. You just can't. You, you, you can't lose to the A's at home, and you can't lose to the A's in the fashion they lost. And, Adam, the scariest part about it to me is that they could have very easily lost all three games. That's the worst part about it. They could have lost all three games. The A's, give, the A's were so bad, they gave them the first game uh, with walking in two runs, an error another run. A guy, for some reason, throws the third when it's Austin Hedges who's, who's tagging up. I mean, if the A's just played, you know, reasonably fundamental baseball, they would have swept this series. So that's a terrible sign for the Pirates. It's, 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 it's brutal to me when you, lose, uh, when you lose in the fashion they did to a team as bad as the A's. You know, and, 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 and if Rosie Contreras isn't the guy they thought he was or anything close to that, then this team is going to struggle to win 75 games. Because I know that Mitch Keller is their guy, but you know what? He started to show some cracks recently, too. And then you've got uh, um, Rich Hill, who I can't imagine is still going to be getting guys out in August and September because he's going to be playing for a different team. Um at the end of the day, if you can't t- send somebody competent to the mound every single day, uh, you, you have a hard time winning. Well, that's – I mean, that's how they lost 100 games these last handful of seasons, right. Paul. They sent guys out there that weren't ready, 
And I think it's a just a major warning sign for me that that Ronzi Contreras is not ready. I mean, he he after O'Neill Cruz, who you know, okay, bad luck. He's hurt. You don't get to see what he is. That's not the Pirates' fault. That's just baseball sometimes. Right. Contreras was supposed to be that second guy, especially the guy who was on the opening day roster. Maybe you get excited by the end of the season about Henry Davis, maybe Andy Rodriguez, but Contreras was supposed to be the guy who was already here, who was going to take a step, um, and. He's not ready, Paul. I, I think it's very clear. And how big of a concern is that for the rebuild in the big picture? Not just this yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, here, I mean, he's but, one of the yeah, he's one of the cornerstone players. He's one of the guys they're supposed to be building around. He's one of the guys that's supposed to be getting it done and supposed to be giving you a lot of hope for the future. If he's not the guy, Adam, I mean, Quinn Priester, okay, we keep hearing about him, but for the most part, he's the Contreras is here and supposed to be the guy. He's supposed to be somebody we're saying the next five years, they've got their number one or number two guy. That's when, you know, when, when they traded for him, when they brought him here, that's what we were told he was going to be. That's what they thought he was going to be. If he isn't that, there's some severe, severe cracks in this quote unquote, you know, rebuild that's supposed to, over the next couple of years, uh, you know, materialize into something greater in, in terms of everything else. Well, and, and I think it speaks to Paul. Like We talked about this with Tyler Glass now, right? And that was part of why Neil Huntington got fired. And that is part of why we were supposed to be excited about Ben Sherrington is that the Tyler Glass now arc was not supposed to happen again. And it pretty much did with Mitch Keller considering, okay, he looks pretty good now, but it took him how long to get here. Ronzi Contreras seems like he's going to take a little bit longer. That doesn't, you know, engender much confidence that, okay, when Krim, Krim, Quinn Priester does get here, or when Mike Burroughs does get here, that they're not going to face the same, um, you know, strong jump from to the big leagues and, and run into that same wall and need two or three years to, to kind of get there because they're not ready. And I think it's it's just a bad look for the for the development core. Absolutely. That's the biggest, that is the biggest thing uh, that I would tell you, is that you can keep telling us you've got young players and young prospects and all of this talent coming up. But guess what? If you can't develop them, or if they're not as good as you think they are, eventually you just have a bunch of young guys and, and that become middle-aged guys who still aren't any good. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I've, I've had people that follow baseball say a lot of the guys on the, this team they have right now are more like just sort of extra throw-in guys, that, that, that this team is sort of doing it with smoke and mirrors at this point, and that eventually – their lack of starting pitching beyond Mitch Keller and, and Rich Hill is going to, is going to show up. So um, this, and then down the road, I just, I just don't think there's as much reason for optimism as some people do, but I could be proven wrong. I'll get you out of here on this, Paul. Henry Davis got finally called up to triple a um, it's June. We're seeing some, some big prospects get called up. We've talked about Christopher Morrell with the Cubs on this show. Um, Ellie De La Cruz was the number one prospect, I think, in all of baseball, just called up by the Reds. Kind of feels like we're setting the table here for seeing Andy Rodriguez sooner than later. Um, is that your read on the situation? <laughs> is that the is that the jolt that this team needs? If they're going to get one, that's the that's the jolt they're going to get. Absolutely, I think it's going to happen, and it's going to happen the day after his service time and all the other stuff magically happens. But they do need it, and, and I think they understand it. And, and guess what? If this thing goes sideways for a few more days, they will need a public relations hit. I, I definitely think that, that all the writing is on the wall. 
uh, that they're going to bring him up. And it won't shock me if they don't if they bring him up for the Mets series this weekend. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I, you know, it depends. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they handle Henry Davis going forward. But at the end of the day, Rodriguez is the guy who's who's closest to being ready. So they're going to definitely bring him up as sooner rather than later. And, and if it means that we never have to watch Austin Hedges play again, I'm happy. But it won't, obviously. But I'm just telling you, I can't watch the guy. He, I know he had a good you know game the other day. I don't want to hear about it. He can't hit. He can't hit. He's an automatic out. Let's just move on. You, 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 I said that was the last one, Paul, but this is a little pet peeve of mine is, is that we've gone. Remember, how long do we talk about the designated hitter in, in you know, bringing it to the National League? Because we don't want to see pitchers hit. And as, as soon as that happens, now we're saying, well, it doesn't really matter if a, ca- a catcher hits at all because he handles the staff well. He's got the fourth best ERA, you know, when when his when pitchers are pitching to him in the National League. Like he's so great. Are, are catchers like being now talked about as the new pitchers? And should the Pirates use the designated hitter on Austin Hedges instead of one of the – That's just silly. It's silly to me. And, and quite frankly, Adam, I don't buy it. I've never bought it. Everybody that is a position player should be able to hit. Yeah, I agree. And it's 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 ridiculous. Well, Paul, I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, thanks for stopping by, and we will be back again next week. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Check out the North Shore Drive on Friday. Uh, Paul, take care. All right. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.